0: Okay, welcome, 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 welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, to the Clark and Miller English podcast. And if this is your first time with us, then just welcome. But you are well and truly welcome. Uh, whoever you are, it's great to have you here and it's great to have you back. So, yeah, we don't really want to talk too much uh, for this intro. Uh, there's not much to say. But there is a, a, a couple of things I just want to... I always say that and then I talk for ages. And it seems that every podcaster does this. They're, they're, they're always like, yeah, no, I want to make this bit really quick. And then they just talk for like half an hour. But I bet I'm not going to talk for half an hour. Uh, but I did just want to talk about a couple of things very quickly. Um, we got some more responses from um, people about uh, the podcast we did on What Should I Read in English? And I was asking if you had any uh, tips for good books that have, that have helped you with uh, with your English. And I got a really good email from uh, Selena McLean, um, who says... I read Enid Blyton's book At St. Clair's and this has been so beneficial in my English grammar and vocabularies and guess what? I wrote a poem. This book has really been a great help though I'd like to improve better and better uh, which is great. Thanks for writing Selina and I, I did ask Selina if she wanted to send the poem and uh, she hasn't replied yet. So Selina if you want to share the poem with us that would be good but if not that's also fine of course. Um, so yeah an Enid Blyton book Enid Blyton quite old fashioned but really good stories um, good fun and uh, simple and direct language so thanks very much Selina and um i just wanted to mention that uh i uh, we had a, a sort of free webinar class last weekend and i I'm, I'm kind of still got a lot of energy i'm still buzzing from that because it went really really well and uh we had a, a lot of people and uh the awesome kara leopold from leo listening did a free lesson um for a whole hour and then we all hung out afterwards and we had a big question and answer session and it was just I just want to say for those of you who came it was very very nice to meet you and it's just nice like it felt like we've got a community sort of going so I'm sorry for anyone who couldn't get a place on the webinar Uh, we're going to do more because that did go well so look out in the future for an email if you're on our mailing list uh, an email um, for telling you about the next one and then you can hopefully jump in and get a place, uh, a secure your place because we only have a limit of 100 uh, places on our Zoom webinars. If you aren't on the mailing list, then I strongly recommend you join the mailing list so you can get um, that email and you get the opportunity to join, to get a free class and hang out with us for a while. It was all really fun, funny, enjoyable, entertaining, um and it just makes me happy that we've got such a nice group of supportive, friendly and, and actually quite funny um, <laughs> people um, um, joining, joining the community. So for those who came, thanks very much. For those who couldn't make it, I'm sorry, but we'll have, we'll have more and better luck next time. So, yeah, today, what are we talking about? Well, I just want to talk very quickly. Oh, I'm not going to use that phrase again very quickly. I'm going to talk about how we're not free, we have no freedom, and how that's actually good and can really help us with our English. A controversial concept in the 21st century, lack of freedom. Um, But of course I'm not talking about political freedom, I'm talking about language freedom. Um, So yeah, and I'm going to talk about how... um, communication is a bit like airport security and why a lot of conversations we have are a lot like the film borat and not so much like the film lord of the rings none of this will make sense to you right now so go ahead and listen it's a short one today just half an hour and um hopefully everything will become clear in half an hour so yeah good luck on with the podcast terrible terrible news You are not free. Freedom is an illusion. Okay, right. Let's think about this. Strong, strong claims here. Okay, so obviously I'm talking about your freedom with language. We are not free to say whatever we want, whenever we want. And I'm not talking about saying, you know, things that might annoy or upset people. I mean, we're very, very limited in our options when we're speaking and when we're communicating in any language. So, what, 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 what do I mean? What am I talking about? Okay, well, think about it like this. When you meet someone for the first time, what do you say? I bet it's one of just a few of these phrases. You'll say, nice to meet you, or hi, I'm Chad, if your name's Chad, or what's up? Gabe, you, if you're in a very informal situation, and your name's Gabe, like mine. But beyond that, there isn't much else we can say. We're super limited, right? We wouldn't say, I don't know, pink bananas are everywhere. Or, ugh, your hand's all sticky, even if their hand is sticky. Or, to take a less mad example, you wouldn't say... I'm much obliged to be meeting your acquaintance. That would be really weird, right, to say something like that. Why can't we say these things? Aren't we free people? Didn't didn't we decide that we were all free and everything was democratic? Why can't we say these things? Well, these examples, they're, they're inappropriate, right? And why are they inappropriate? What makes them inappropriate? Why can't we say, I'm glad, I'm much obliged to be meeting your acquaintance instead of how are you or nice to meet you? Well, think about it like this. Meeting people, it's kind of political, right? I mean, we all live in a society and meeting someone for the first time is basically like a little act of diplomacy. When you meet someone for the first time, you are the ambassador of, of you and you represent the interests of you and you're always seeking to establish and build good relationships with other people. You're like an ambassador. Humans are social animals, and that's basically what happens. We want to make ourselves appear nice, friendly, an ally, not an enemy. So we have a script, a very tight script that everyone follows and that we use to do our diplomatic duties as representatives of the sovereign nation of of us. So if you say something off script when you meet someone for the first time you're either taking a risk which might work out or you might even be being be being downright hostile like actually hostile like kind of aggressive people expect you to follow the script right and you know if it's a risk sometimes it pays off you know some people think oh he's a funny guy look at him he's not following the script um but also, you know, they might just think you're being hostile and that's not good diplomatic relations. So, yeah, looking at our sort of meeting people for the first time example, if you don't stick to this, hello, how are you? My name's blah, blah, blah script. What happens? Like, let's say you meet someone for the first time. They extend their hand, ready to shake your hands. You can even see their mouth form the first shape of the sound, hello. And instead of saying hello or hi or nice to meet you or hey or whatever, anything from this script, you say, whoa, that film, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, you see it. What a film. Crazy film. So good, right? Really confusing, though. You know, if you meet someone for the first time and you say this, you know, you're either going to be labeled as an eccentric in the best case, which isn't that bad, I suppose, but you might also be labeled as being, as being an uncooperative person and maybe even like egocentric and egotistical, arrogant, you know, it depends. A lot of this is very cultural, of course, um, and it re- relies on context, but we have this script. And when we, when we don't stick to the script, Bad things can happen. The script gives us a safe way to meet people and establish relationships, and it can even be extended. You know, you, you do the hello, how are you stuff, and then and then you go on to doing uh, weather stuff. Weather is quite common. You might say nice weather, or you might say I like your shoes, or you might say something like Ah, oh, I heard you're into Star Wars. What did you think of the new films? And, you know, okay, fine. We've we've finished the script of hello, how are you? And we're in a new zone. And this feels like an individual freely chosen follow-up, you know, a choice. But it's not really. Like, you could, if you wanted to draw a flowchart with a box at the top with hello, how are you, my name is, and then a few boxes with possible follow-ups. If you've just met someone for the first time, there are not going to be many boxes there. You'll have talk about the weather. You can compliment the other person, find something you have in common. We're very, very limited when we're in this very like tight diplomatic situation. Again, this is a vast generalization. Uh, Different contexts uh, are more free than others. And we'll talk about those in a minute. But you see what I'm getting at here. We're kind of limited in our interactions when we first meet people, and our language reflects that. If we're talking about the weather, for example, there's a very limited number of phrases we can use. Basically, we're stuck with something like nice weather, right? Or, oh, I wish it would stop raining all the time, or hot summer this year, isn't it? And really, 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 you're kind of you're really kind of a slave to this script you you have a topic and there's just a handful of things you can say you can't come you can't just say something like "Rain bad," or "The weather is not pleasing at this time," or sky water, huh or the meteorological condition sucks at the moment. All of these are possible, right. And that last one is kind of funny because it it's combining sort of formal and informal. It is quite a funny thing to say. But it's off script. If you speak like this all the time, yeah, someone might punch you. Again, they're all inappropriate. They're not incorrect. In theory, all of these sentences are possible in English. There's nothing grammatically wrong with them. There's nothing semantically wrong with them. I mean, like, in terms of the meaning... The meaning is being conveyed, but they're weird. They're not part of the script. Like, again, you know, we can play with this a little bit. You might want to introduce humor or irony by saying nice weather on on a really bad day, you know, for a joke. That's funny for some people. Or you might speak in a, in an amusingly unnatural way, like, you know, the meteorological condition sucks at the moment. Um you know, that's just a very strange way of expressing it. And, you know, you could be doing this for a joke. You might want to sound eccentric. Usually we say rain, not precipitation, for example. Um, precipitation is just another word for rain. But, you know, when you meet someone who's, who's, who uses precipitation instead of rain, they're kind of marking themselves as a bit different and a bit eccentric. And that's great. You know, language is very powerful and that's a good way of, 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 of using it in a powerful way. But generally speaking, people are most comfortable when we stick to the script. It kind of can be a bit pretentious, for example, to use precipitation instead of rain. And it really just comes down to some very, very simple things sometimes, you know, like rain versus precipitation. Uh, we, we often say it's rainy or it's raining, but we don't usually say there's rain. Uh, we say it's cold, but n- not so common to hear the weather is cold. We say it's really windy more than we say the wind is very strong. And that's just the way things are. All of these sentences are possible, but there's one or two examples from each of the sets I gave you just now that are on the script. It's just the script is <laughs> what we do. Um And we see this all over English. Here's the thing. Okay, so let's look at why, you know, what's going on here? What's the sort of linguistic explanation for this? Obviously, it's not grammar or vocabulary here. This is something a bit more complex, right? So when we're using language, when we're communicating with another person, what we choose to say, which words we use, are all about what the other person expects us to say. It's about expectations. The most Efficient communication comes from making life easier for the other person to process the sounds you make into meaning. So think about it like this. When you say something, when you're speaking, what exactly is it that you're doing? You're making an abstract combination of air and mouth sounds. That's what I'm doing right now. You know, this is all just sound waves generated by my breath and And by my moving my mouth around and the person you're speaking to needs, needs to hear that abstract mess and decode it into meaning. They need to take this air and mouth sound basically and turn it into meaning, transform it into meaning. And you know, this takes brain power. This takes effort, but because humans are pretty awesome. uh, We're very cooperative animals and we try to make things easier for each other, so our communication is better and stronger. So we try to say the same things in particular situations. We try to have a common pool, a common bank of um, of phrases uh, that we we have just for particular situations, so that it's easier for the other person to predict what you're going to say. Uh, they can start guessing what you're going to say and start preparing for it and this makes it a lot easier on the brain Uh, like when you're meeting someone for the first time you're ready for things like pleased to meet you or hi my name's chad Uh, if you're talking about the weather you are expecting things like oh yeah it's it's snowy or it's cold Um, and it's not just because of the topic you're not expecting precipitation is likely you're expecting i think it's going to rain um, if you hear precipitation is likely, you have to use more brain power. Um, I imagine it like airport security. You know, when you go to the airport, wow, well, remember airports? It's been a long time, huh? Um, when you go to the airport, you know, you have these really long queues for security, right? And that's just probably the most boring part of the whole airport, air, the travel experience. <clears throat> and in some airports, if you pay a little extra, it's like five pounds in the UK, you get to jump the queue, you get to go to the front. You get a sort of pass card and you go straight to the front. You show the card and they, they, they put you through security immediately. And yeah, this is the same thing with language. In specific situations, we're expecting to hear specific sentences. These sentences come with the pass card to the airport security of your brain. There you go. How's that for a metaphor? So, "Hi, how are you?" is a passcard sentence or a passcard phrase. But my god, meeting people like this is something we do a lot and I'm happy about this one. That is not a passcard sentence. When you say a passcard passcard sentence, passcard phrase, when you use a passcard phrase, the person you're speaking to recognizes it immediately. That's what makes it a passcard phrase. The sentence, the sentence arrives in their ear, into the brain, which says, yes, we were expecting you. No need to join the queue of decoding information. And it passes through quickly. No stress, no effort. And that's why we have the script. That's what the script is. When we can predict what's going to happen, we can react to it quicker. And then our communication is better. So when we're waiting for it's snowy or it's cold today, when we get snow has fallen, or cold, big white things are falling from the sky, or the temperature is low today. You know, unusual sentences. We have to stop. These sentences don't have a pass card to the security airport of your brain. Your brain doesn't recognize them, so it has to make them queue up so it can decode them. And this takes effort. This is, by the way, one of the reasons learning a new language can make you tired, you ever get those situations, it happens to us all, when we're communicating in a second language, and, you know, you're fine for for an hour, maybe two, and then you just get tired. It just becomes really tiring. And that's partly because we're not used to the script. So we're using much, we're, we're decoding all the time. We haven't got these pass cards um, yeah. So we have things queuing up in that security line in our brain. And yeah, doing more work. And okay. So in the examples so far, we've just talked about introductions and small talk. These are very tight, tightly scripted examples. These scripts are very, very well established and they're very, um, they're very tight and you, they're usually with strangers or people you don't know very well. Um, diplomatic relations haven't been established. So we play it safe. And we, we, use, we use the script. As we become more familiar with people and the people we're talking to, that's when our language starts to change. So do you remember I said that our language choices are based on what the other person knows? You know, what the person we're speaking to knows or what we think they know? Um. So when you know someone better, your shared knowledge is bigger and your language changes to reflect that. And that means your script changes. So yeah, I want you to imagine like a line, a spectrum. On one side of the line, you've got a film like Lord of the Rings. Yes, I'm bringing film metaphors in now. We've done the airport metaphor. It's time for film metaphors. Um, So yeah, you've got a line and on one side of the line, you've got Lord of the Rings Right, that film, it had a very tight script. There was almost no space for improvising. Every line had to be delivered as it was on the script, you know, the actual paper given to the actors. And they had to learn each pause, each cue, each line and each movement. It was all very, very tightly coordinated. There was some improvisation going on from time to time. I think all films end up with a few improvised lines. And that's fine, you know, that can happen. But generally speaking, very very tightly controlled, sticking to the script. On the other side of the line, you have a film like Borat. You seen Borat, right? The Sacha Baron Cohen film. I think there was a yeah, there was a new one out recently. Um, yeah, weird stuff. Whether you like it or not, this is <laughs> this can illustrate the other side of the line because with Borat, there was almost no script they had some idea about where they were where they were in each scene the situation the context they knew what the characters goals were in each scene they knew how it would play out and they often knew how it would end And they probably even had some lines of dialogue that they definitely wanted to include, things they were expecting to have. There was some sort of structure going on, but it was basically improvised. And one of the reasons they could do that so well was because the actors knew each other really well. They obviously worked really well with each other and they could improvise scenes together and make it seem real. So, on the Lord of the Rings side, you've got your highly diplomatic conversations, the hello, how are you, nice weather, we're having stuff, um, to compare it with the sort of language scripts. It's tightly scripted, just like some actors would have improvised a few lines here and there. Famous examples of improvised lines are... Damn, um, what's that film? The Shining. Um, Jack Nicholson's famous line, here's Johnny... That was improvised, apparently, according to the internet. And um, that terrible, 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 awful, awful film uh, from the 90s called Titanic, that sadly too many people enjoyed, um, there was a very famous line of that when they're standing at the front of the ship and Leonardo DiCaprio goes, king of the world. Um, and apparently that was improvised too. So you do get the odd improvised line in these films. And some, like some actors would have improvised some lines, you, even in the hello, how are you situations, we do have some freedom, freedoms on how we want to introduce ourselves. But in these situations, we're not really that free. We have to follow the script some to some degree. On the Borat side, you're speaking to an old friend, or a long-time colleague, or your partner, or just someone you know really well. Um, And that's the sort of Borat side, like the way that the actors in Borat know each other so well that they can really improvise around each other. And that's when the script gets looser. Uh, Have you ever listened to a conversation between two people who know each other really well? It's pretty difficult to understand what's going on, right? They refer to things and experiences you don't know about. One person just might say the word cashew, and they'll just both start laughing. This way, that language works between people who are close, can be really, really well used in drama and comedy. Uh, In my favourite sitcom, Peep Show, we have a situation with Mark... Uh, who doesn't want to talk about the emotional family problems and his sister who just wants to talk about the emotional family problems. And, uh, they're in the, they're in a pub and she's trying to like get him to speak about all the problems and all the stress and all the anxiety, uh, about their family kind of therapy vibe. And he's, he's just trying to find distractions. So he says, Oh, look, they have jumbo, ca- jumbo cashews now, you know, cashew nuts, jumbo cashews. And Sarah, his sister, says, all the stuff that went on at Grange Terrace before the move, get it all out because it's so hard when you're trying to work through this family stuff on your own, isn't it? That line, all the stuff that went on at Grange Terrace before the move, she refers to a street, Grange Terrace, and a time before the move, and simply that mad stuff happened, all that stuff. We never find out what she's talking about But just making those pass card-like references makes us imagine what's going on here. Three pass cards here. Or no, two. Grange Terrace before the move. Um, So these are two, two, two pass cards that show lots and lots of information. In fact... Yes. So what's going on here? We don't know, but it gives us so much to think about because we start imagining a a place and a time just before a family's moving and some sort of terrible family stuff that happened. Um, so yeah, this was a good example of the way language changes when two people who are close to each other or at least trying to be close to each other, like Mark and Sarah, uh, two people who know each other really well, um, start speaking and yeah there's there are lots of interesting things that happen to our language when uh, when we when we speak to people who we know very well um, the script gets looser and here are some examples I want to talk about a few examples here um, you've got substitution like where shall I put this or where shall I put the thing um, and you know the thing can just mean something that the other person knows what you're talking about or have you got any more of that stuff? Now, you know, that means nothing by itself. But in context, the other person probably will understand. Otherwise, why did the first person just say that stuff? Uh, so we have this sort of substitution and this sort of uh, being vague uh, there. And there are also sort of in-jokes. Um, in-jokes are, are jokes that have developed... Not so much developed have have kind of de developed you have a joke between two or three people, and to refer to the joke, you just need to say a thing like one thing or, or one word um yeah, I think I mentioned in another podcast I've got a friend who's who sometimes gets quite angry with waiters, and um i i yeah if i'm if I'm at a restaurant with her and it looks like there might be a situation with the waiter, I have to say to her like. Yeah, yeah, don't do the thing, don't do the thing. And we both know what the thing means. The thing means getting angry at the waiter. Um, there's another thing with my brother. All I have to do is say, ah, oh, we're both remembering something really funny that happened during our childhood. We just say that pig and we can start laughing. Um, you also have like weird and personalized humor. Um, again, I'm going to talk, uh, talk about things my brother says because, you know, he's a funny guy. And um, whenever we're, um, whenever there's like, we were talking and then suddenly there's lots of noise, so we can't talk anymore, like some sort of alarm, car alarm goes off or some, someone's drilling next door. He always starts uh, pretending to speak, but there's no sound. And then as soon as the, uh, as soon as the noise stops, he says, uh, until he needed a handle to get it out. Um, you know, just as if he's finishing a, a whole uh, monologue. That sort of thing that only happens when you have two people who know each other really well. Finally, you also get a lot of cultural references. Um, you, you, if I'm speaking to someone I know is really into uh, Star Wars, for example, I, I might just say, may the force be with you um when when they're going to do something when i'm just leaving them or just saying hi even um and that's fine but you know if they don't know what star wars is that's a very strange thing to say um you can also again if if you know someone's a fan of back to the future which i am um you when you're saying something along the lines of oh yeah yeah no you can't you can't do that with that program unless you have power and that line is from is from back to the future too and it would sound very strange if you hear someone say oh yeah you can't do that with that software unless you have power very strange thing to say unless you've seen back to the future too so again these are sorts of the sorts of things these are the sorts of ways that we can manipulate the script but there is always a script of some sort um I want to leave you with uh, some examples of classic call and response phrases. Um uh, we're very very like trained in a way in the way that we communicate with each other and that's good. It's always a good thing. The fact that we're not free here is a good thing. It means that we we have a, a sort of guideline that we can look at when learning english and it makes it easier to to know what to say in certain situations i know it's not a very popular thing in 2021 to say we're not free and this whole free will thing is is you know is, is a major part of our, our society at the moment but with language we're not but that's good it actually makes us like it empowers us it gives us something to to follow um so yeah I want to leave you with some ex- um, examples of classic sort of call and response phrases phrases that demand a specific response or a similar sort of response so we've got things like one person A says you won't believe who I saw and person B is automatic you just say who or no who you won't believe blah 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 you won't believe who or you don't won't believe what this phrase demands the answer. Who? It means tell me. Uh, or what about, got it? Got it. Person A says, got it? As a question. Person B is expected to say, got it. Uh, this is a call and response. Or simply if someone's uh, complaining about something and says, oh no, it it sucks. Work really, really sucks. Work is terrible at the moment. It's just completely normal to expect something like, sorry to hear that, mate, or I'm sorry, or yes, that's rubbish. There are, like I said, like with a script, there really are only a few things you can really respond with to that phrase. I mean, I was just trying to think of what I would say to somebody who says, oh, work sucks at the moment. Really, sorry to hear that is is pretty much one. That and like two or three others are the only ones I can think of. And yeah, this is good. This means that, our choices are limited and that means there's less to learn. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to create brand new, um, things for different situations. Um, one more example of this kind of thing is not exactly the same, but it is related. Um, scripts and the way that we communicate with each other, this all is different between cultures. And I've, I've noticed with, um, some students, particularly from Japan and Turkey as well, um, possibly more. I think it's very polite in in those languages or in those cultures when you want to show that you're listening to someone by repeating them, you know, repeating some of the things they said. So, you know, I would say something like, yes, yes, I was a bit late because, you know, the, the boat ran late because of the weather. And then the person I was speaking to would say, oh, because of the weather. And I think for them, that's a very polite way of indicating that they're listening but for me it makes me stop and and I have to sort of re I have to process what's going on here um it's like this doesn't have a pass card it has a pass card in their culture but it doesn't have a pass card in mine my head or the way I'm used to speaking so that goes to the the airport airport security queue and it has to be uh processed by my brain and it slows things down um yeah When I'm used to communicating with people, what I do is to show I'm listening is just say things like, yeah, or "Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, stuff like that. But again, this is all kind of culturally specific. But one way or another, there is a script behind everything. So, what to do about that? Good question. Good imaginary question from an imaginary person. When you're reading in English or watching a film or sitting on a bus listening to people having a conversation or just encountering English wherever, pay attention to the script. Stop thinking about the grammar and stuff. Just think about it in terms of the script. Notice that people say things according to what is expected to sort of help them predict things. It's like a dance and it's not quite as free as you might think. This isn't a science. The script is always going to be somewhat improvisational, but it's there. That structure, that dance, that script. Uh, When communicating in any language, we do the dance. We collect pass cards. Yeah, that's it. Think about it like this. Learning a language. One major part of learning a language is collecting pass cards so you can say stuff at the right time that makes things easier for the other person, things that they're expecting. And the better we know people, the more we become like Borat and the less like Lord of the Rings. The more you understand the script, the more pass pass cards you collect, the stronger you'll get at communicating. And that's it. Like, think of language in a way of collecting pass cards. Yeah. So good luck thanks very much for listening and um really i don't think i have anything to add but if you have any questions about any of the um ideas that i talked about today even no not even especially if you disagree i like it when people disagree we get a good conversation going um yeah especially if you disagree right let me know um, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention uh, your emails and messages um, on the next podcast episode. So it's Gabriel at Clark Gabriel at Clark and uh, Thanks very much for listening. It's always, always a pleasure. And I will talk it to you in two weeks. But ciao for now.